0: this is mazel pod this is kevin pollock your host do you like that music i like it i'd uh, love to hear from you about the music about everything really regarding mazel and this podcast um and the show any uh, anything you'd like to share questions i went on and on and on in episode one about what i want from you in terms of involvement I'm going to reiterate it for a while. Please write to us at myMrsMaislePod at gmail.com. I will read and reply to all your emails. Mm, buddy, careful what you wish. Mm. Uh, how are you? Are you having a good day, night, afternoon, morning, drive, uh, flight? All the various ways one consumes pods these days. Uh, got a great guest for you today. Uh, tremendous tremendous talent. Oh, my goodness. The camera eats up this boy's face with a spoon and the ladies swoon. And not just the ladies. Some of my closest, most adored gay friends are mad for Michael Zegen, And I have told him this and I have forced him to take uh, posing photos for them while on set over the years. And he was very kind to uh, smile. Smile for the fans and pose. Uh, I love Mike Ziegen, so very, very much. It'll probably come across in our chat that you're about to listen to. Yeah. Sweet soul and a tremendous talent and his enthusiasm for this program and the Maisel universe in general is maybe tops of all the people I've worked with and gotten to know in working on the series. He is uh, uh, feverish with his pride and enjoyment and connection to the show and everyone involved. He really is our leader in that way and a tremendous experience for me personally to have worked with him and even on some levels more so in our conversation that you're about to hear. We will discuss in great detail season one, episode two, as well as Mike's journey into the world, how he came to be a part of the universe for the pilot and thereafter. He shares a lot of insights and personal memories, but the the things about working on the show that touched him and will stay with him forever, there's a real sense of that through our chat. Uh, Write to us! with your follow-up questions for Michael Zegan. And I will share them with him and then circle back and read your emails and give you his reply. Write to us, of course, Mazelpod at gmail.com. Hey, are you following us on the socials? Have you stopped and reviewed the show and told everyone you've ever met? We're really depending on you and your word of mouth. Always tag us, mymrsmaselpod.com. on uh, on the socials and me personally kevin Pollock, one two three love to hear from you on instagram yeah post whatever you'd like about the podcast and tag me so i can respond to you and then write to us yeah at mymrsmeselpot at gmail.com. I want so very much for all of you to be a part of the show in every way possible. There's going to be prizes for you. There's going to be big thank yous when you do get involved in the show by writing to us, by posing questions, by commenting on episodes, and uh, all of that. Crazy cool insider's gifts. Things that I collected from table reads over the years. Oh, I don't want to give too much away about these gifts, but they are extensive, and they are yours for the taking. All you have to do is just a little bit... more than listen and enjoy the podcast. Get involved. Yeah. Get your hands uh, dirty, as they say, with some involvement, some work. I don't know if get your hands dirty feels right saying. Does it sound right? Uh, yeah. So I look forward to meeting you all via email and socials and hearing your feedback and benefiting from your feedback. So thank you in advance. And now, without any farther ado, my convo... With the glorious and sexy Michael Zegan. as threatened here is Michael Zegan. Oh, Mike, <laughs> welcome, <laughs> pal mine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, please, of course. And thank you for representing your New York Yankees. They don't really celebrate the Yankees in the Maisel. In fact, in this uh, episode number two, season one, there is discussion of the Dodgers, the I Brooklyn know. Dodgers, having I left know. town. So you got a chance to watch the episode. Yes, I did. I forgot how strong pow smack in your face it was. And also clearly the intention of, yes, we've been picked up to pilot. And here's what we're going to do with our first season. Right.
1: I remember actually reading it, you know, because we had filmed the pilot. The show got picked up for two seasons from the pilot. And I remember they sent us episodes two and three. And I remember reading episode two and thinking to myself, why are we following these other characters, (laughs) myself included? I, you know, cause I just, I felt like Midge was the focus Yeah, and I guess I wasn't prepared for what this would become, which is, I mean, really an ensemble show. I mean, you know, it is, it's of course Midge is the focus. She still is, but it was the kind of thing where like, oh, now we're seeing Abe's character you know, in his element and we're seeing Marin in her element and Joel, you know, we follow Joel talking to his parents, which, you know, hadn't been cast right. uh, at that time.
0: You didn't have parents in the pilot. Yeah.
1: Right. I was just a little, I guess, I mean, I, I thought it was a good episode. It really didn't come alive to me until we did that table read with everybody there. Then I was like, Oh, this is really good.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is the case for me. I I've had that experience. I don't know about you, even with the first episode of season four, Five, I remember reading, thinking, huh, we usually come back to a new season with more of a pop, don't we? And then as soon as the tape read happened, I heard everyone doing their parts. Yeah. It's so funny. After all these years, we still can't make that jump until everyone brings. I mean, their scripts are astonishing. Oh, but yeah. For us individual players who don't have the capability of being objective, I don't think you lose a little perspective.
1: I think. I guess. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know what the show was yet. Yeah. And it was just a surprise. But I mean, it all worked out. It was. It really was fantastic. Uh, just rewatching it. I mean that that scene. It's not the first time you see me in this episode because you you see me in the flashback after the wedding. But that scene where I'm walking down the street in the in the garment district. Yeah. Just. It never ceases to amaze. It's just. I mean, it's it's an incredible shot, and that was actually. For me, that was the first time when I, I realized, you know, just just doing it. Like this is a big deal. This show is big. This is a big show, and and it's got a lot of money behind it. And you know, they closed down. I think it was like 19th Street. I think they closed down two blocks on 19th. And you had all these old cars and this old taxis following me, and you had all these these trucks. I mean, they added more stuff in post production. They added more trucks, more people. From that, like wide angle, which again, that shows how much money they have. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it just, you know, and it's that oneer. And, it, and that was the first day that I worked with Jim McConkey, who's, you know, our steady cam operator and
0: became the steady cam genius of yeah. the show.
1: And he and I, and, you know, Amy, obviously with her direction, we kind of just figured out that scene. Yeah. Just me walking down the street, you know. There's turnings, there's, just, yeah. I mean, plies, you know, you know mean, how it goes now. But at that time, I didn't really. I didn't yeah. know what, what that was. And yeah, I remember. And he was new because he hadn't done the pilot. Right. Another guy did Maceo. So I remember just like working it out with Jim, you know, trying to... Like we've talked about, it, it's a dance. You know, everybody's involved. It's not just the actor. It's, it's everyone. You know, everyone's involved trying to get the shot off. And I mean, it worked. It's just amazing. And then, you know, then I go... I walk down the street. The taxi comes by. I, I I'm smoking a cigarette. I walk into I spin I, uh, yeah. I spin around. I I walk into the warehouse and the factory and um and that was another shot. You know that then it cuts. The audience doesn't know that it cuts, but we know. You know it yep. cuts. And then I'm walking into the factory and that was a whole other one. It was just incredible. It it really was. And then we had that scene. And that was I remember that was the first time working with you. Who I you know I grew up watching you. Since Willow. Since Willow. <laughs> we all we all know my uh my fondness for Willow. And uh if those of you listening did not know, well now you know. But yeah, and then of course I mean, Usual Suspects was such a big movie for me. In high school, we watched that you know on, on replay, like me and my friends, and in, in my friend Kevin Myers's basement,
0: it's a weird rites of passage almost. I think for generation after generation, at a certain age, I always hear, you know, and that's about the age, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, because it was just, I mean, you know, I can go on and on about usual suspects, but it was just such a, an important movie because it was just so fresh and new, yeah, you know, when I was a kid. Yeah, so, so getting to work with you was such a cool thing. and
0: Also, well, tell me about when you just find out you're going to have parents' meaning suggesting your storyline is expanding.
1: Right, especially for somebody who, you know, I would have been happy if, well, I wouldn't have been happy, but I would have been fine with the fact that they, you know, my character leaves in the first episode and that's that. I, I just wanted to be a part of this. Yes. So, yeah, the fact that they built in now, you know, characters, you know, my family, that was just such a thrill too because it's like oh now you know my my character has more depth to him right originally i'm not sure if you i know rachel told me this at the time but uh i don't know if you heard that my parents she had told me that my father was going to be part of the jewish mafia he was as gonna, a
0: background <laughs> story
1: as a background story yeah i i don't i don't know if it was going to have anything to do with the garment industry ah i think yeah, I, I, I don't know. She heard that from somewhere. Rachel also has told me a lot of stuff that never turned out to be true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not sure but who God the worst her. source is, her <laughs> <Yeah>. or Donna. <laughs> right. Donna, as we go in for our wardrobe fittings, is usually for me, I don't know, you tell me your experience. It's the first person I see going back to the new season. I'll go in for a wardrobe fitting first. Yeah. Long before I've seen scripts or Amy or Dan or any of the cast. And Donna will always have, as you're trying on clothes, you're like, oh, what does this mean? This outfit? What does this pertain to? Yeah. And she has a rough outline of all of it, of course. Right. Some more rough than others, but she will talk to us openly. So this is for the wedding. Wedding, who's getting married? What? You know, I don't know that there was a wedding scene, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. People should also know that during the off season, we keep an open text thread as, you know, I think people some assume that we're friendly off camera. Some assume we're not. Not that we're not friendly, just that we don't really keep in touch because they've heard so much about show business folk. Right. Well, we do. Yeah, we do. We, we always keep in have. touch.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so I, I had heard that, which turned out not to be true. And also, I had just come from a show where I played a Jewish gangster. You know, I was on Boardwalk Empire. Yes, you were. So yeah, so to get to work with you, you know, not
0: to. Uh... <laughs> and then our first scene together was the, our own oneer. That's right. Yeah, the outdoor oneer leading to the indoor wander, mm-hmm. which was first following you walking through, and yeah, then, we got a
1: we got a real crash course uh, right off the bat.
0: I will tell you, watching this episode reminded me this whole episode, your and my stuff, and then later the stuff at the dinner scene. Objectively, weirdly, and sadly, it's some of the best work I've ever done in my <laughs> entire career. I mean. I had told you this many times, but throughout that illustrious career of mine, you know, as a character actor, all these years in support of giant movie stars, if there's an eight page scene, I'll say at the beginning of it to a Tom Cruise, So what do you think we should do? And then he talks for eight pages. And then at the end, my character says, All right, let's go. But Amy and Dan created this bloviate. Is that what uh, Abe calls him? This blowhard who doesn't listen, doesn't shut uh-huh. up, talks in speeches. And um, I just wasn't used to that. You come from the theater, having, in fact, just done another play before we went back into production, or The Blast Shutdown, I guess. You can tell us about that. I'd love to hear. But I didn't come from theater. I came from stand-up. In fact, when, when offered theater, my response was always, why do I need all these other people on stage? <laughs> I didn't understand the concept, having spent you know decades on stage in one. Mm-hmm. So I just wasn't used to the rapid fire talking. So when I watch it, it is a, a performance of mine I'm just not familiar with. I've never been challenged. And so I'm curious for you, other than theater.
1: Was I used to that kind of rapid How fire?
0: challenging and rewarding is the character of Joel Mason from the beginning? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's it's definitely, I guess, I mean, it's very, you know, it's obviously rewarding. Anytime I, I get to do a scene, you know, it's if from start to finish, from like, you know, when I do it to getting to watch it, it's always very rewarding. It, I feel like there's very, it's a very rare case where like I watch it, and I hate my work.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: And that's certainly happened on other shows, you know, and I don't know what Pretty it is. Pretty
0: scrutinizing about- of yourself. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm my okay. own worst enemy. But, you know, and it is sometimes cringy when watching it, but that's just me. That's just like the, you know, the first time you watch it, you're you're just, I guess I'm just nervous. I'm, I'm nervous what it's going to be, what, what takes they used, how it's going to be edited together. Yeah. And it's very rare that I, you know, the scene ends and I'm like, oh, God, that was awful, it, which has certainly happened. Um, on other projects. So it's always very rewarding. But yeah, as far as like the dialogue is concerned, like every time we get a scene where it's a, a oneer, like I'm excited. Yeah, I don't go into that fearful. I'm like, let's do this. Let's let's, you know, I I love that. Because it's also, you know, yes, I am used to theater, and it does feel like theater. But the, the difference is, is that, you know, if, if you fuck up, you can always just go back to the top and you don't want to fuck up. You know,
0: you don't want to be the reason we're, right. we're going again when there's fourteen be, moving parts.
1: Sure, and and it could be going fabulously well, you know, and then you get to that last line and you you stumble over it or you trip over it or you know whatever, and you got to go all the way back to the top. And you don't want to be that guy, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You only need one.
0: Yeah, I don't know about you, and I'd love to know your experience, but I've never heard a disgruntled, disappointed. Frustrated tone or word from Amy or Dan when any one of us fucks up the eight-page one, no. we're just going again. No, there's there's never a oh we're so close on that one. There's not even that you know yeah, which yeah, would yeah. be understandable. Uh, you know, we rehearse these folks should know. Usually, you do coverage for eight pages that will take you the day. So we're rehearsing for it seems often a couple hours.
1: But again, the rehearsals happen on the day of. The so day of. Like, it's not yep. like you get to rehearse, you know, for a week beforehand and then you do it. It's you show up at whatever it is, six in the morning. And then, you know, they bring you onto set and you rehearse it and you figure it out. And again, it's like a dance with the steady cam operator with Jim. Yeah. And you just figure out, you know, you make a left here, turn right there, open the door, have a scene with that guy, come back out, have a scene with that person, touch yeah. that person's on their shoulder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible what we create on
0: the day. It is kind of nuts. And everyone gets to participate. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I've said this before. The most direction that maybe I've ever gotten from Amy is just to pace it up. Right. I, I've never been told anything about character or, or anything. Sure. Just uh, pace it pace up. Pace it up. Yeah, and that happens in rehearsal. You know, we're recording this episode of the podcast only a few days after season four completed its initial run, of course. The joy of streaming, it's there when you need it. But it all finished dropping just a couple days ago. And the beginning of season four, the Coney Island scene, I remember that one or walking along the boardwalk leading up to when we, we did get a chance to rehearse that in a warehouse area. Right. Yeah, yeah. In one of the sound stages. Yeah, I guess. I just remembered that we were up on a floor.
1: Yeah, right, right, right. That where was, people, yeah. It was at the studio, but it was in, in some random, yeah. I don't know what
0: that was. Like administrative area where there were no offices <laughs> or yeah. desks. I think it was like a load in kind of place. Yeah. But that felt like, well, this is a first. We've never done this where we mm-hmm. rehearse for a couple of hours. Every once in a while. Yes. If it's a
1: big, big scene we yeah. will have some sort of rehearsal like prior to the day of mm-hmm. just so they can figure out logistics
0: or before the season starts really before be the a... season
1: start. Yeah. This year, no, but right. But yeah, every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, there will be some random rehearsal. Yeah. I think we even, we might've rehearsed the scene that we did. You and I. I mean, that, 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 were, that I'm talking about. Yeah. I think we might've had like a little rehearsal one day after the table read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, but nothing. But it, you can't prepare yourself for what you're not stepping in into. the environment
0: because right. people should also know that Maisel and Roth garment sweatshop was real. It's been there since the '20s. That's right. Building suits for many presidents and what yeah. have you.
1: Martin. Um, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name, but he did all the suits for Boardwalk Empire. So I had been there before. Right. But I'm blanking on his name. That's not good. It'll <laughs> come
0: to you. Will it? These wonders you've heard us talk about, and we'll hear many many stories about because it is so abnormal, atypical to work on a show that is shot on film, not multi camera comedy for any comedy to be an hour, and this certainly season four I felt was more dramatic than comedy, therefore to me more engaging, but you just don't get these. Long extended scenes, A pages, what have you, that are shot in one continuous camera move. The problem with so much our television is that it's choppy. It's a lot of close ups. It's over my shoulder onto you, over your shoulder onto me. Mm-hmm. And, and just because of the dynamic of what it costs to shoot a television show, at some point you say, all right, well, this scene will be in coverage and this scene will be that. And the more Amy through the course of the series and seasons, Evolved as a filmmaker and us as actors, maybe, the more these wonners would show up that weren't on the page as a wonner. I remember you saying the scene with you and Joel Johnstone as your pal Archie Archie at the baseball, yeah, that was not written as a wonner, Well, even we a- don't
1: we don't necessarily know what's written as a one-er. Right. I just well, I didn't remember assume. I, thought,
0: I thought you said none of us knew this was going to be a wonder. the
1: baseball scene, yeah, yeah, no, I had no idea right, I had no idea. Martin Greenfield is the, uh, oh, the tailor. He's a Holocaust survivor. And he built all the suits for Boardwalk. And he it, it was his sweatshop that we were. It's a real and life. And Obama. He
0: built suits for oh, yeah. Obama and, for, and, yeah, suits, and yes. Yes. Yeah. Presidents. A lot of presidents. Yeah.
1: But yeah, that was that was his factory that we were filming at. So And all those people there worked for him. <laughs> they were actual. Our background aliens, extras. Seamstresses and whatnot. Yeah.
0: Almost all of them. And they were tickled. I'm sure until about halfway through the day, and they thought, can we just work?
1: <laughs> it was hot pre- in there, too, I think. Stop, stop pretending to work? Yes. Those steamer press things. Ooh.
0: And we would go back to work, I guess, in August, Oh, season one. You remember we used to start in the summer? Yeah. I don't feel. remember when we started. Yeah, it was sultry, sultry hot Yeah. inside there. And we, we shot at that location several times through the first season. And then was it season two or three that we moved into a... A little piece of it that they built on the soundstage. Maybe season right. two.
1: Yeah. It was season two.
0: Yeah. But we it was did a both. big set. We did
1: both. But yeah.
0: The Giants said, and they used all of it in that opening shot. And I just, the introduction of my character, but us together and our dynamic, mm-hmm. I thought was just so potent and powerful. And,
1: yeah. It was great.
0: And then the scene where Joel goes back to complain that Penny Pan has been moved. Mm-hmm. Just another...
1: Yeah, it's so funny. I didn't remember any of those scenes. Uh, the introduction of Mrs. Moskowitz. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah.
1: I, did, I didn't remember that. Yep. I almost didn't remember that she worked at, <laughs> at the plastics company. But I, I knew that. I mean, she, she did. But I, I forgot for
0: a minute. Well, she became such a big part of you right. taking over the yeah the shop. Yeah. And,
1: and then the club. Yeah, and the club. But Cynthia, who plays Mrs. Moskowitz, she's just so great.
0: Oh, man, is she? And has done great work always.
1: Yeah, Cynthia Darlow.
0: There you go. Thank you for keeping the names fresh.
1: Yeah. Who is in the original cast of Greece? By the way. How about that? How about that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah, and and Patrick Swayze built her. She has like a loft bed in her apartment that she still lives in. And you know he was in Greece at some point, and I guess he was also a carpenter, so he built her her loft
0: uh, bed. Reason enough to never move. Figure out a way to take that out.
1: Those are great scenes, too. The, you know, with the random guy who I work with who's telling me about, you know, he had to move Penny Pan. And I don't know if they just all came out great, but actually, we we skipped over the scene in the diner after the flashback scene after the wedding.
0: Yeah. So this episode obviously opens up where the pilot ended of Midge asking Lenny, you know, is it fun? And then she goes onto the sidewalk and walks past a diner. And then we're able to morph into this flashback somewhat seamlessly. I mean, you got to look for it to see any scene to a flashback of you guys are both fresh from your wedding. And yeah,
1: and, yeah you're right. I mean, it, it is kind of seamless how the future to past goes, but I don't remember past how to past. past to past. <laughs> right? I don't. Remember how they filmed that? Because there's the same the part where I go into the bathroom and then it pans and you see present Midge. Yeah. I don't remember like us filming that where you know I I'm dressed in my flashback gear and go in and then and you know Rachel had changed. I don't think they did it that way. I think it was well. If you think about it, some trick photography.
0: The bathroom door closes because I rewound a few times. The bathroom door closes in a slightly different angle after we saw you go towards it. So then we have a fresh angle where the bathroom door is closing that you're not in. And then the camera moves over and catches her. So you weren't in that setup. Yeah. They probably shot that before or after your work was done, which is why it's easy (laughs) to forget. Yeah. I remember the first time I introduced Jamie's not impressed by anything in show business. And we were in some setting here in New York, actually, where Sean Penn, and it was the first time she met him, and Susan Sarandon. It was Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins married, they had a speakeasy. I guess you probably know. No, I didn't. Oh,
1: oh, the ping pong place? It was,
0: yeah, in the back area. It, it, all highfalutin and name drop. Sorry about that. But just because I, I mentioned it because the first time Jamie meets Sean Penn, arguably one of the greatest actors of his generation, Susan Serena is trying to get him to remember this moment from the movie they did together, Dead, Dead Man, Man Walking. Walking yeah. And he's frustrating her because he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember. She keeps giving him more reasons, specifics to trigger his memory. And he finally says... It's listen, I get a script. It's my part, my part, bullshit, 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 (laughs) my part, my part. And I, you know, it's just, oh, you too, you know, like that goes all the way up and down the chain. Yeah. So, yeah. So you weren't in that. Set up Because I did Sort of catch that in, in terms of How did they shoot this mm-hmm. Yeah So it was also One of those early Relationship Establishing things Meet me in the bathroom I thought I married a good girl And she turns back And says No you didn't Yeah You know Just that
1: Yeah I love it Because it just creates a bit More backstory For the two of them Yeah You know Playful so kids People don't Start to get Why they Were together And why they Loved each other
0: And Yeah Makes us question Joel's choice Of Penny Pan of course. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing is you don't stop and think how many years. So we pick up in this episode, it's still 1958 because we're picking mm-hmm. up from the pilot. Right. And we're flashing back to the wedding. How old are those kids? Did you ever, you and Rachel do the math on what year the wedding was? I'm sure we did. I don't remember. 1951 or two, because the kid's six or seven, right? No, the kid's like three. He's tiny. Oh, Ethan is tiny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he, was, he so got big. So maybe just four <laughs> like, years, five years before, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And also that, that diner, La Bonbonniere, where we filmed it at, you know, we, we've we shot there every year. It's oh, in the wow. West Village. It's on 8th Avenue, and we've shot there every year. We've kept that place in business.
0: And they've done well from it, I'm sure. They
1: have. In fact, you know, we shot there for season four, and they're, they have now outdoor seating, obviously, because, you know, most places have that because of COVID. And I pass by there sometimes. There's a huge line. And they say, they've told, you know, Amy and Dan, that the reason why we shot there was because that's their spot. They love going there.
0: Amy and Dan, yeah.
1: Amy and Dan, that that was their brunch uh, spot or is their brunch spot. And apparently, you know, every time they go, the owners thank them and say, like, you did this, you did this. So, because they were going to close before COVID.
0: Wow. So I I feel like when Jamie comes to visit soon, I could probably get us a table (laughs) with the Maisel hookup.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a small little place, but now they have this big outdoor space, so um, you know, they could obviously fit more bodies in there. But yeah, um, so we've shot there every year. And it's always nice. I always love because also I live in the village, so it's yes, you know, like I can walk to work. Yes. Which is, they they've asked before if I want a van to pick me up. <laughs> and I mean, you know, yeah. It's nice, but
0: no, thanks. <laughs> the introduction of Moish leads to the introduction of Abe as a Columbia University instructor. That's a beautiful I don't think I knew environment. In pilot. Yeah, I don't think the audience knew. There's a mention of him being working at Columbia and being a professor. Okay. But I don't think it happens in a way that it registers so that when we see him in this massive classroom.
1: Yeah, massive chalkboard.
0: Um, three of them. I mean, it's like wow. a Cinerama,
1: and it's so funny because I I completely forgot about his whole <laughs> past life as a Columbia professor. You yeah. know, I'm so used to Abe doing these odd jobs, whether it's you know Village Voice or Bell Labs or whatever. So it's yeah, it was like, oh yeah, he's a he's a what? Oh yeah, he's a math professor.
0: And the opening of that scene, just him walking and the fear in the uh-huh. students when they <laughs> see him, and one of them holding the door. Yeah, and, that
1: was great. That guy was great. Way- the yeah, open the
0: door yeah and the way that he dresses down the students and he just keeps calling on one and mm-hmm. all and it all leads to of course him at the chalkboard with a diagram example that turns into his anger towards his daughter breaking and son-in-law up. yeah breaking up it's pretty beautiful as a way to again cinematically bring us into that character's universe and then also making it tiny tiny small as to what's going through that, the hell that that character is going through, and it's really great. So I don't know that any other casts ever shot with him at that job, did they? I don't think so. At Columbia, I think. Well, Marin, she went to visit, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and children.
1: I, I go later in the in season one. I go visit him at Columbia.
0: And where did you shoot that?
1: At Columbia. Wow,
0: and that's crazy. You know, it's it's rarely that's the case. Yeah. And do you remember where on campus you shot that? Even no. though it's a different episode?
1: No, I don't. I mean, I it was it was they were offices.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, there again it could have
1: And that's where we shot the wedding, too. Oh right. In the pilot. We shot that at Columbia as well.
0: Yeah. I remember hearing that thinking, okay, weird choice. Guess you got it cheap. Why at Columbia? Nobody knows. That's where it's being shot. Yeah. You're not getting any value from shooting there, so something so it must have, yeah, mu- something was up.
1: I mean, maybe it was just cheaper.
0: I'll ask Dana Gilbert when she's on. I have a list of oh, production wow. questions for her, that's for sure. And then, and then we meet Marin's little world at the Madame Drina Fortune yeah, Teller. She was great. Who's that, Mary Testa?
1: Yes, I think that's her. She's a big. Big time theater actress, and she's just so great.
0: We end up getting casting a number of big theater people. I know season yeah. four, the wonderful actor who um, originated Tootsie.
1: Oh yeah, Santino. Yeah, Montana. Yeah, I mean it's just such a you know we've said it before. It's a very theatrical show. The the dialogue is such a major you know factor in this show. You need people who are able to handle it, who can go into something and and not feel compelled to improvise or add a a, you know a word here or there it has to be word for word just like in a play you know you you don't like fuck with that
0: you you, don't (laughs) add a h comma
1: even yeah a lot of the time you know you have the playwright in it you know when you're rehearsing a play you have the playwright sitting there and it's not a good look if you start you know making up stuff so this is just like that
0: yeah from there, we're back at the Weissman apartment to see that moment when Susie says to Midge with a notepad, you know, like, I'm going to keep notes as you're talking. This is all good material. And it's the yeah. first time Midge sort of says, I'm not going to actually do this job. Right. You know, and gives her money for the cab or train or whatever. And oh, bail money. It was a bail money. That
1: was, and I think I'm right in saying this. I can't really remember, but those two apartments are the same apartment, just dressed differently.
0: Dressed differently. Yeah. And in the pilot you guys shot in the actual one.
1: Yeah, in the pilot we shot in two different apartments in right. that building. Anytime you see like the outside of Midge's building, that's the building that we actually filmed in.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: But I believe This is also
0: never the case.
1: Yeah, right. But I believe that this was the same, you know, fake apartment and they just redressed it and they, you know yeah. I changed some walls or whatever.
0: Yeah, they built that ridiculous set. And I i remember shooting this episode, episode two, and getting to know everyone and hearing what it was like to shoot the pilot. Tony just kept saying, you, Kevin, you don't understand the, the apartment we shot in. <laughs> it was massive.
1: <laughs> it really was. I don't think they really lived was. there
0: since the 20s, but yeah, it was multi-room and yeah, crazy.
1: And they did. They had lived there since... I don't know about the 20s but it was definitely since the 50s. Right. Whoever owned it had lived there that, you know, for that period of time. So, yeah, it was pretty incredible. And it, it was more incredible that they rebuilt it to a T. Yeah. It was pretty ridiculous, but um amazing. And that's that's mazel for you.
0: Well, the attention to detail, they yeah. they they are uh, savants and There's another Weissman apartment scene, oh, where um, Shirley gets the news. Yeah. That the kids have broken up.
1: That was the first time we meet Mrs. Caroline Aaron.
0: Yeah. Mrs. Maisel. But also Abe's invention of the speakerphone. They never say, I don't think that Abe invented it, but he takes such great glory and pride (laughs) in saying, "Ooh, let me put her on speaker. And he takes out this contraption that screws into one of the phones. Yeah. It's... Again, it's one of those attention to details that isn't really, there's no exposition. Mm -hmm. Nobody says, wait a second, what is that? How does that work? Where'd you get that? There's no backstory. It just. No, but
1: you assume it's going to pay off at some point. And I guess it sort of does when he gets the job at Bell Labs.
0: Well, he didn't get the job at Bell Labs because he built a speakerphone. No, no. (laughs) But you track that. You go, Oh, that makes sense. He's a bell yeah. loud. Sure, right, remember right, the right. phone he built, the speakerphone he built. Yeah.
1: But even in this season, in season four, he takes out the speakerphone, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. They never. I just love that they didn't make a point of Abe created this. Right. Or, there are seven people in the world who own this. You know, there's no. Yeah. Nothing. It's just. And again, as a writer, a proud member of the Writers Guild, nineteen eighty seven. I love to say it. <laughs> the attention when you're writing. They just keep drilling down further into what other specifics could we put in this that have nothing to do with the scene, but won't slow it down, but do add layers to the character?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's completely helpful for us just figuring out who these people are. But yeah, you know, I mean, that's the genius of Amy and Dan.
0: Yes. Now, did you get your little box of water? Yes. I did. These water boxes have been on set for a very long time. And in today's table read, we had a box lunch that looked like um I guess a TV dinner sort of yeah, was the right. dressing. Yeah, of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Talk about attention to detail. There's no reason for that. <laughs> How much time is put into what are we gonna do with the table reads to make them look like bar mitzvahs and weddings?
1: <laughs> I was gonna ask, had you watched Gilmore Girls prior to this?
0: As a proud not well not proud, just a um ignorant is the word I was looking for, as an ignorant <laughs> Very member. Very different than proud, yeah. Maybe the photo opposite. As an ignorant <laughs> member of a demographic that it was the show Gilmore Girls was not built for, yeah, I knew nothing about it. And then started watching it right after I got the job, was offered to Mosh Maisel. So I wanted to learn more about them and mm-hmm. watched a few episodes and loved them, but saw that similar banter and pace and, and speed. and.
1: But so now let me ask you a question because – you know you're you've been grilling me, but you came aboard in this episode, episode two mm. and so what was that like what what was you know what, what I guess how did that how did happen? I get
0: into the universe? yeah um Is well, story behind that yeah, I mean, the agents didn't even try to claim any responsibility or oh. input when they said there's a pilot on Amazon called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel that was just picked up to two seasons the creators of the show realized they didn't have in-laws and they would like to talk to you about playing the father and father-in-law to central Mrs. Maisel so that was the first thing and then they like said there's no script but you can watch the pilot which I did and you know you watch that pilot and it's just game over. You want to be in that universe.
1: It's a very special pilot. It's one of the best pilots I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. You know, I've watched a lot of TV.
0: Yeah. The rule usually is get past the first episode, even in Breaking Bad. Yeah, right, right. mo- most shows that run on to successful series started with an underfunded, underdeveloped pilot because they have to service the introduction of characters and relationships. Very little story. And they just never live up to how good the series is. Right. They're there to get more episodes. That's why pilots... But that's
1: funny. It. You do always hear, like, just, you know, get past the pilot, get past the first yeah. episode, and, like, you know, get past the first couple of episodes, and then it yep. really gets going in episode five, you know?
0: Even arguably the greatest show ever, is, as it's claimed, The Wire, mm-hmm. you got to get through those first couple of episodes.
1: Yeah. Or Sopranos, even.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because... No one has their footing. And so that when a pilot like the ER pilot was historically ridiculously great, it's just so rare. We can't be objective, but we will continue to insist that the Maisel pilot. So that's what I had to go on. I watched it and thought, all right, well, the answer is yes, no matter what the part is. I just want to be a part of this world. And then I watched a few Gilmore Girls just to have a little more to talk about. And then I got on a phone call with Amy and Dan. That was it. I was in L.A. They were in New York. And they said, so what do you think? I said, you're geniuses. And you had me at, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And we were hooting and hollering, celebrating in that first phone call that I was going to be Moish Maisel. And it was one of those rare things. In fact, I think in terms of the main cast, Tony and I were the only ones who didn't audition. Tony came from, you know, ridiculous success, but also one of the longest, most successful running television shows. So, and then in my case, it was just, They saw something Mm -hmm. and um, it's, 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 it's a strange, strange business who auditions, who has to audition. You know, I talked to Luke Kirby and talked about his audition and his lifelong dream of playing (laughs) Lenny Bruce. Yeah. You know, people came into this thing and then you, as you had said, you had come from doing a period piece with Boardwalk Empire. Some of the crew.
1: Yeah, a lot certainly. of the crew, uh, especially on the pilot. It was, a, it was a a bunch of the crew. But, you know, most importantly, Bill Groom, who's our production designer. Production
0: designer, multi-award winning genius. Yeah,
1: he did Boardwalk Empire and and now he's he does Maisel. And, and when I, you know, he came up to me at the first table read and said, you know, hi. I mean, because I didn't really have much interaction with him on Boardwalk. Certainly not as much as I do on Maisel. And just knowing the fact that he was a part of it, I was like, oh, this is this is going to be good.
0: They're not messing you know?
1: around. Yeah. yeah. They're not messing around. Cause I mean, the production design on boardwalk empire was incredible.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes.
1: I mean, especially in these period pieces, you need to feel like you're back in time and, and to feel like a film, rich, yeah. lush. Mm-hmm. And with that attention to detail, the, yeah. Um, even just, you know, the posters that you pass by on the street, you know, yes. and, that are plastered on the walls, you know, that kind of detail.
0: Yeah. I remember we got a big kick in season four shooting at the King's Theater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the posters that they made for that lobby. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I spent a lot of time (laughs) looking at these posters that they just created
1: based on shows
0: that were around at the time, but all all new artwork. So yeah, you mentioned Mrs. Moskowitz. We go into Joel's office when he discovers that Penny Pan has been removed and we meet Mrs. Moskowitz. And we're seeing the character of Joel in that domain for how many episodes does he stay in that domain?
1: He quits in the last episode of the first
0: season. That's right. So that was your place. And you you mentioned earlier that some nobody told you that Penny Pan was was gone. Did you mean a day player when you said some nobody? What do you mean?
1: Oh oh, 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 yeah, I I didn't say some nobody. I didn't say a nobody. I said, you know, yeah. Joel's in Joel's universe. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure who played that part, but he was great. Yeah. Yes, he tells me that Penny's been moved. Um, Uh and I remember he was. (laughs) They, you know, they shot it. It wasn't like they shot his footage and then my footage. Uh, we shot it together. Like I was on the phone. He was in another office, like next door. Uh huh. And we just did this scene over the phone, and you know, killed two birds with one stone. Really.
0: Well. While I have you, let's talk briefly, although maybe I should smartly bring you back for one of the first two episodes of season two, because you talk about the other person on the other line. They've always been very particular about making sure the actor on the other line, other side of a phone call, is within earshot of the right. actor, which folks should know is also exceptionally rare. Such sticklers, the first two episodes of season two, are shot in Paris. And That's right. There's a phone call that Midge has with her ex-husband. And what happened, Joel? You got a phone call, <laughs> Joel. Uh, uh, Mike, they, you got a phone call that... Yeah. Hmm, talk about phone calls. So what was that like?
1: So, you know, they, I knew that they were filming in Paris, and I wasn't in any of those scenes, which is a huge bummer.
0: But you knew you weren't in those scenes, and you weren't going. Yeah. We all did, those yeah. of us who weren't going.
1: Right. Yeah. And... I got a phone call from Dana Gilbert, our producer, and she while they were already in Paris and Oh she, wow. She said, uh, we need to fly you out here <laughs> for for the uh the phone call scene. To Paris. To yeah, the, the the at the end of uh episode one in season two, there's the you know, uh, Midge calls Joel and they have that very touching phone call and
0: extraordinary conversation. So what do you yeah. think when Dana says this?
1: I mean, I was ecstatic. I, <laughs> I obviously wanted to go to Paris and be put up in a hotel, you know, a fancy hotel. And
0: knowing your responsibility was to be off camera, especially.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I was, I was very willing to go. Let's just say I, <laughs> I had no qualms with, you know, flying to Paris, first class, getting put, you know, in a great hotel. And
0: you turned it into a little trip. Didn't you go over and see Alex in Spain or something?
1: That was a different trip. That a was when. Trip when we went and did press uh, in London.
0: Oh, right. That's right. You turned that one in. But you guys did go to Paris Disneyland.
1: Yes. Yeah. We went to Disneyland Paris. It was me and Amy and Rachel and yeah. Alex. Alex got it. And Marin was there. Alex got us a bus, a little mini bus. And we uh-huh. took that.
0: To, and a guide when you got there. And a
1: guide, yeah, who took us to the front of the line on every Remember ride. Remember the
0: guide's name.
1: Uh, Jacques? No, I have no idea.
0: Was it by any bizarre chance low week? Or is it just no way to I remember? really don't know. I'm sorry. Okay, because like five weeks before the world was shut down for sweet, sweet pandemic... Jamie and I were there, and we got this oh, wow. guy, Laweek who we just fell madly in love with.
1: To be honest, I couldn't even tell you if it was a guy or a girl. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah.
0: It, it's been a minute.
1: It has. But yeah, no, it was just, it was it was magical. It really was. It was just uh, an unbelievable trip. And and the best part was, I know we're going off you know, on the no, tangent okay. here, but the best part, was, well, actually, this wasn't the best part, the, it was, I guess, a, a funny thing was that, when you know when I did this scene, when I ended up actually doing the scene with Rachel off camera,
0: quote unquote working, yep,
1: yes, you know she was in this like sort of tunnel, which it was like outdoors, but it was it it kind of it was like an echo chamber, right? So I'm off camera reading these lines, and you can the it was too much of an echo. So they had to move me far away. <laughs> and as and it turns like, out,
0: you weren't even.
1: Yeah, I mean, so they moved me far away, and then even then, it was it, it. They could still hear me, my echo. So they put me in a tent. It was like on the other side of the building, and they had like a microphone, and that went into her little earbud. And so basically, I could have been home. I, you know, I, I could have.
0: It ended up being a rig. Yes. That they could have simulated in New York, in Europe. Uh,
1: yeah, but you know, it ended up being a great scene. And I have to... It's a
0: phenomenal scene. And I asked Rachel way back when, Mm -hmm. because I knew you're the value for Michael Zegan to have this opportunity, but I was very curious what it was like for her to have you there. And now I am remembering that she, of course, comically explained how you guys had ended up shooting it, but she said that we were acting a scene as scene partners Mm -hmm. and that wouldn't have been the case any other way. And, And folks should also know, in any other situation, when Amy is not there to insist the actor be off-camera, reading the off-camera other end of the phone call, it's a script supervisor. It's someone sitting next to the director, reading from the script with, bless them, no emotion or, or mm-hmm. character. or.
1: But, and, you know, I, I mean, Rachel could, you know, I'm sure she would have done a great job. She's Rachel. I'm sure she would have killed it regardless. Sure.
0: We're pros. We work around it. Sure. But she was thrilled. This, but it, it just, it, it was, yeah, it just worked. It was great. Yeah. You
1: know, I was incredibly thankful. And yeah, I got, a, I got an amazing trip. I actually, I did go to London after
0: that. I took the channel. Yep. Surprisingly, only underwater for like 27 minutes. Oh. We did the channel too. And I thought, oh, it's a two hour and 15 minute train. why well, I wonder how much of that were underwater. It Nothing. was a
1: delightful trip. I mean, and plus it was like, I think I took it in the morning and you know you're you're in that train going by the the french countryside and it's just yeah. it was Crazy. gorgeous yeah i had nobody sitting next to me it was perfect
0: <laughs> those are often my favorite parts too there was i also no remember
1: next- we all went out to dinner one night because I was there for some reason, like five nights, <laughs> like in Paris.
0: For some reason.
1: Yeah, for some. Well, I, I don't. Maybe I asked if I could just stay a few days, and they were like, "Sure." For some reason. Yeah,
0: we're so grateful you came over here. My goodness, of course you yeah. can stay.
1: I yeah. mean, I guess it, it would be kind of ridiculous for me to fly in and then leave the next day. Yeah. So they, they let me stay a couple of days, but it was just, it was just awesome. It was one of the best experiences of my life, no doubt.
0: Yeah, professional life, and certainly, a reminder. Oh, that's what kind of show this is. Yeah, they, they they're shooting the first two episodes of only season two in Paris, right? And they're right. flying me over to do off-camera phone call.
1: Well, we did win all those awards, so yep, the show had. Although the Emmy, I think, I think we won the Emmy uh, after we wrapped season two already. We had. It had to have been. I flew out the day after the baseball scene, which was our last scene of season
0: two. I remember we were shooting Catskills stuff when we got word of the nominations. Oh, okay. And then the awards are in September for the Emmys, so yeah, we would have been done shooting. Yeah. Season two. Yeah. But still,
1: we won the Golden Globe, and you know.
0: Yeah, we were nominated. The show was nominated for Golden Globes about five days after it dropped. <laughs> right. It just happened to be the timing of which and so yeah that was after we just finished season one five days well many months after we finished shooting but five days after the series dropped and back then actually every year until this season four all the episodes dropped at once and there you go let's talk a little bit about the big dinner scene the whole family getting together we've all said numerous times when everyone is together it, it ends up being some of our selfish personal favorites
1: well it's just so much fun it's you know because we have just we have so many comedians <laughs> whether whether they're professional comedians like yourself or or you know just funny people like it's just it's just so much fun it really is and yeah. we we just keep our you know each other laughing but yeah this was it, it it was really cool um you know i got to have that that little mini scene with with tony in, in uh, the bedroom in the bedroom which Even that, I mean, it was just such a thrill. You know, I mentioned I was a fan of yours. I was, you know, and I was also a fan of Tony. I just, you know, I've been, I've always been drawn to character actors and you guys are, you know, the premier character act.
0: Well, thank you. I, that's actually why we hadn't met prior to working on the show because you were either hiring one or the other. Was this your first scene where it's just Abe and Joel? I think so. Just the two of you?
1: I don't remember. Well, there was the. There was a the little scene in when he's, you know, before he says meet me in the bedroom or whatever he says to me.
0: I just mean in a, in an episode. So what yeah. didn't happen in the pilot? There's no scene just the two of you in the pilot. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. So you walk into that bedroom and as an actor who admired this other actor. Yeah. I always feel like he, without intending to, just he's so damn good. You're basically watching an acting clinic when you're in a scene with yeah. Tony cuz he's so riveting.
1: Yeah, it's a masterclass.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, just, I mean, it, I, I don't even remember any of it because it's just such a blur. But sure. it, just, you know, watching it, I know from experience, from, you know, just like how much of a thrill that was to get to do a scene with Tony.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we, um, season four starts, and one of the big scenes is the Wonder Wheel and the people are talking about, which, you know, we on social let the cat out of the bag that we shot a coney island a portion of it for the walk-up the big giant wonder of that uh we're in the queue for the wonder wheel certainly at at coney island but then all the wonder wheel stuff is on a sound stage and we were each in the little our little cages and on a platform 60 feet in the air behind the cage at one point for certain cameras but we shot all that for three days two and a half but three scheduled days and i have video of Tony doing his off-camera <laughs> lines, where we had run these lines so many times and, and each actor would take turns being in the cage, but you had to repeat the scene for three days. And Tony, I should show you the video sometime. It's just Tony looking at the floor and just <laughs> saying his lines. His eyes are closed so he can remember them, and he's as emphatic as Abe should be within the scene. What do you... But he's by himself on this stage, just screaming. Oh, it's such a joy. So, yeah, that dinner scene also, again, along with the stuff with just you and me at the warehouse is, I'm not kidding, easily some of the best work. Yeah, you're great. That's I've ever thir- done by, by a lot. Jews. <laughs> well, I mean, I only am talking about I just don't get challenged like uh-huh. throughout I mean, you know, I've done a few movies. I don't know the exact number, 91, but I will say that six of them are quite good. That old <laughs> joke of mine you've heard a thousand times. But I have, yeah. The truth is he has. In fact, one of my only drags of working with Mike is I'll tell him a story and he'll say, Yeah, yeah, you told me.
1: Yeah, but I don't I don't mind telling them again. <laughs>
0: That's sure you don't. But just the the challenges as an actor. So for you. I'm always curious how much this show challenges my co-stars because I'm acutely aware of how it has challenged me in a way that television certainly has never challenged me and very few films have. And this scene with all the family members when you, you know, you're, Joel, the character, Joel is very called out first by Abe and then by his father. And this is horrible news about, you didn't tell your wife, you know, that I own the apartment you've been living in. And yes, it was a wedding gift, but you're, you know, A marriage that's Mm -hmm. no longer. The really intense stuff for the character of Joel. Way more drama than comedy, I guess, is what I'm...
1: Yeah. uh, You know, I I don't know. It, it, It wasn't... I wouldn't call it a challenge. I just... Because I just
0: love doing it. That's what I mean. The aspect of the doing it is exciting. Yeah. It could just be the excitement of it that I don't normally feel with most productions.
1: I know. I mean, that's what it is. It's like and I don't take it for granted. I really don't like anytime we get an episode, it's always just this excitement. It's like, Oh, what happens next? You know, I, I just, I've never, I don't think I've ever really experienced anything like that, but I've also never, I've never been a regular on a TV series. I've never known that I was going to be in the next episode. It it was always, you know, I've I've always played recurring characters on really great shows. And that was the trade-off. It was, you know, I'm not going to be a regular, you know, but it's, it's, it's going to be a great show and, you know, just even being a recurring character is yeah. something special. So and I then do, the agent you know, will
0: say, we're also free to do other things.
1: So that's, yeah, good. right. And you, <laughs> you, know, you end up not doing anything else, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, you know, it's just, I don't know. I've never experienced it where like, I'm just so, I'm just enjoying it so much and I don't necessarily see it as a challenge. Like even these one you know, I don't, it, yes, it is a challenge, but it's a challenge that I'm excited
0: about right. taking on. It's the kind of work you always want to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so damn exciting. It's a challenge for me because I have no theater training. It wouldn't it be a challenge for... I don't think
1: that, a, that matters. It's, it's, you know. I,
0: I, I do. I promise you. Memorizing eight pages of dialogue, yeah, knowing they're going to be done in a single take, is just not normal. It's just <laughs> not, I mean, right. there'll be a master shot. And as we all know... You know, one of the first lessons as a film actor is, yeah, you don't want to, don't give it all away in the master, man. <laughs> They're going to use it for four seconds at the top of the scene and four seconds at the back of the scene. And that's going to be pretty much, but they want to shoot the whole thing because they want to cover themselves in editing should they want to come in at any point. Right.
1: But I've never, I, you know, yeah, I've heard that, but I've never really uh, followed that rule because, I mean, on anything. Yeah. I just... I don't know. I always, you just always kind of, for me, I just always have to bring it. And yeah, you don't, you don't want to give away too much because you know that it, you know, especially if you have to get emotional or whatever. Like, well, you're certainly
0: bringing it. And also, the master's usually shot first, if not always. And so you're warming up.
1: Yeah, you're warming up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're bringing it for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it's, it's more just that's, I mean, like, that's the rehearsal. You're still figuring it out. Yeah. I never, you know, I do know, I've been in situations where you're acting against somebody and, and you really feel like you're acting against them because they're not giving you anything until Ooh. it's their coverage, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's annoying. And I mean, I, that's more me challenging. Stories. Yeah. You've told me stories about people who don't even show up when it's not their coverage,
0: right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the story, the opposite of that would be Nicholson on A Few Good Men, I guess. Right, right, right. Rob yeah. Reiner has told the story that Jack was doing off camera and he was. Rob had asked him, do you want to do your coverage first or do you want to warm up doing off-camera first in the courtroom scene of a few good men? He chose to warm up off-camera, but first take, second take, third take, fourth take, fifth take, he is 100% and it's a very intense yelling. And Rob's concerned he's going to lose his voice and just went over to Jack and said, you know, save me something for when the camera's actually on you. Mm -hmm. And Jack just hadn't realized that that was going to be an issue. And he said, sorry, Robbie, I just love to act. (laughs)
1: and i guess that's how i feel too it's yeah, but it does get me warmed up and it does help me figure things out and how to say lines certain ways and maybe try it this way try it that way you know find a good rhythm find a good groove
0: yeah i think excited more than challenged is ultimately the best way
1: yeah because i don't i don't see it as a challenge it's it's more i mean i've never i mean there's a lot of like i've never on on this show it's like i've never felt excited to wake up at four 30 in the morning to show up to work before this. Yeah. It's, this is, it's truly, I mean, yeah, you're tired, but it's like, it's just so much fun.
0: Yeah. We just want to be in this world. I want to be back in this world, the crew, you know, and I always want to like, I always, I mean, I think it's what it boils down to. is like, I always
1: want to impress Amy and Dan. Always, always.
0: They're so gifted and they've given us such gifts we just want to make them proud, like their parents. Absolutely, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, there's not a moment, even at the table read today. I stopped by because mm-hmm. there wasn't a time to say hello to Amy beforehand, so I just said, "I'd look." And before I leave, I just want to say goodbye, at least. And I still, after all these years, I still get a little inside giggle talking to Amy or Dan. Because I am so grateful and love them so much, and and also I'm in still in very much in awe of their talent. It's just ridiculous. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I just I, I you know I just want to do their dialogue justice. I want to do this character justice. I want to yep. I want to make that. <laughs> I'm constantly trying to make them think. Yes, we made the right choice.
0: Well, there you is- go. Think about it. As actors, we say we're as good as the words were given, right? Mm-hmm. So what is their perspective? Our words are only as good as these damn actors are going to deliver them. Right. Right? Yeah. You can see how great these scripts are as long as the actors say them correctly. Mm-hmm. And don't fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But so far, so good. I mean, I... Well, sh- sure. For everyone, it's so crazy how everyone is just so perfectly cast. I, I, My doorman was telling me that as I was leaving today, he was like, you know, he had just finished the the season. Yeah. And season four, Yeah. Season four. And and he was just so, you know, ecstatic about it and talking about how everyone is just cast so perfectly. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it really is. It's it's lightning in a bottle.
0: Do you know the incredibly funny and talented Paul F. Tompkins?
1: Yes. I don't know him personally. Uh, Of him. Yeah. Yeah. I used to watch Mr. Show. He was on that
0: of course and then brilliant and uh, bojack horseman and so many other things and one of the all-time greatest stand-ups and improvisers we've known each other from stand-up for probably 35 years or so thereabouts and um you know we'll see each other every now and then we text each other so rarely that when he texted me last night I looked at when was the last time we spoke through text and it'd been 3 years so we're not that close in terms of keeping in contact so last night like your doorman he sends me The video, spoiler alert, of um, the scene with you and I at the bar at your club, Uh which leads to... Your heart attack? Yes. The the drop from seated at the bar to on the floor. And he sends me a video clip of just the fall and hitting (laughs) the ground with this type. Okay, (laughs) how? (laughs) And he, he went on to tell me that he rewatched it 10 times because he could not figure it out. He knew I did yeah. not hit the ground from a stool. Yeah. And finally had to tell him that my stunt double, Max Daniels, since Usual Suspects, put on the pads, took the fall, and in post, they put my face on him. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they do it now. Back in the days, Usual Suspects in 94, there's a straight on long lens shot of him walking towards the big ship that we're going to take looking for Kaiser Sose. And he set a charge in a little tiny boat behind him that explodes so that he can start, I can start shooting, but it's him. And it's a long lens straight on, and it's him, not me. Um, anywho, Max Daniels, thank you. Yeah. So him saying that, your doorman saying that, these are the things people who watch the show and maybe now listen to this, they too love being in this world. Mm-hmm. I think that's the spe- one of the special things that we didn't sign up for we didn't want to be a part of we didn't know this byproduct the world over you know you and i both have met fans from all over the world and when we do our press tours one in milan where they came in from all over this last year because of covid of course we're you know locked up in our our apartments or whatever on zoom but tony and i were teamed up this year and we spoke to not just journalists from india eight different news outlets in india Right. So that sort of, and the giddiness in their voice talking about the show will never, ever stop surprising, delighting, making my brain break. It was never part of the thing. And I, me I mean, Tony, you know, how many times have you been asked, so did you know when you first started shooting suspects that it was uh, going to be, I mean, you must have known, right, at some point. And Tony's answer when I was shooting this episode with you all who did the pilot he I thought Jews on the Upper West Side would like it, maybe, you know, most of them. <laughs> and that would pretty much be it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's crazy to me that it is so universally and internationally adored. Every age group, every but, demographic. You know, we, Right. But we always talk about the fact that, you know, at its core, it's about family and family is, is universal and everyone can identify with family. And that's what makes it so special. Sure. So, yeah. So I, it didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me that people would like it. It really didn't. I, I, I just didn't know that they would like it so quickly.
0: Yes. There you go. So quickly, so in depth. And certainly it isn't a normal right out of the shoot for American television to be embraced the world over. And that's, of course, from a streaming platform, made a little bit easier. Yeah, the world over thing was pretty, pretty bizarre. But every age group and demographic, you know, that the other thing, so attributed to every department head and all the folks behind this. So let's see, that dinner scene is so explosive and amazing. And then it leads to the end of that dinner scene, which is finally the Midge character just had it with the cacophony of yelling, but also this information that her own home isn't hers, and it sounds like she's about to lose it as her father-in-law is reclaiming it.
1: Also, uh, going back a little bit, the, <laughs> I remember Marin, You know, I hadn't really worked with her yet, and we were doing the dinner scene. I remember, she stands up and she says, "Everything's <laughs> going to be okay." I talked to the the fortune teller or whatever, and I remember she was so nervous not to blow up her spot or anything because she's fantastic. You know, she's amazing. She's sure. just incredible. But I just remember thinking like, you know, <laughs> cause she kept standing up and like and then like I could see she was like really nervous. She kept messing up and, and doing it over and over again. I don't know if she remembers it, but I, I remember thinking to myself, like, oh no, like
0: <laughs> like who is this? Uh, <laughs> Why is this actress having so much trouble? Kind of yeah. Thing? Yeah. Well, sure, you don't know what who you're dealing with. Yeah. And of all of us, I would say she, you know, you talk about being so hard on yourself. I'd say she's the hardest on herself.
1: Yeah, yeah. But she's so good. She's so good.
0: She's exceptional, riveting. I can't take my eyes off every No, and she's only grown she
1: into that character, too, you know? You, you, you yeah. watch from the first couple of episodes, and she's not drastically different, but she's definitely figured it out, as we all have.
0: Yeah. She might be one of the most who's physically nothing like her character. Yeah. You know? Not just in a wig and the dress, but the character of Rose is just so wound tight and mm-hmm. uptight, and Marn is not. And so it, when you get to know a person and you see that performance, it, it becomes a little more engaging, impressive, and mind-blowing. So when she would stand, you're right, and she would three words in, oh, shit, and sit back yeah. down. And <laughs> and nothing really had gone wrong, but other than her own inner yeah. monologue. Of, and everybody's
1: been, I mean, we've all been there.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah. How about the giggles? Do you, uh, this episode or any episode, I'm, uh, Tony and I have a scene coming up in this first season, maybe the next episode, where he comes down. Oh, I think it is. He comes down to the Maisel and Roth garment place and says, let's, oh, yeah, let's that, split yeah, the cost of the apartment. Right. But he and I ended up in a little bit of a giggle fest. <laughs> Do you suffer from that? Do you get going? Is there something that? I mean,
1: there certainly have been times. Uh, the one that I can think of is in the Catskills uh, when I have that scene with Tony where he's <laughs> explaining to me about the romper and he's got the tomato juice and I just, I, I couldn't keep a straight face. Like it, it, and he couldn't either. I mean, it was just, it was yeah. so funny.
0: Yeah.
1: Just, you know, the, the, he kept like shaking the, the tomato juice and like <laughs> taking a sip and telling me about the romper. And it was just, I, you know, maybe it's him. Maybe he's the reason why yep. we have the giggles, but um, that's one that comes to mind. Sometimes with Rachel too. But that's that's yeah. the one that comes to mind. Just because I really I really had to get myself together. Right. And,
0: uh, it doesn't help when you're tired. And I feel like you and Rachel have had some night shoots. But even we do night shoots. It's never that late.
1: there, there was one with Rachel in in season three where I go visit her in Vegas and we're right. drunk and we're yep. you know we were like pretending we were drunk, but then that becomes yeah like actual drunk. But you're not yes. really drunk. You're just you know and and we were we had a little bit of a giggle fit, but it was, um, I mean, it's, it's always, you know, I'm somebody who can like get there and, 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 you know, be professional. And cause I know that nobody else wants to deal with this. Like the crew wants to go home. They, they, they just always want to go home, you know, at least yeah. in my mind, they're just, you know, <laughs> they just want to go home and we're keeping them there. And the, you know, the, the longer we draw this out, sure, the longer they have to stay. So I, I always want to be professional, but sometimes it's just so damn hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, please don't suggest the rest of us are giggling because we don't care that the crew no, is wait, I, waiting.
1: <laughs> I don't, but I have been in situations where like Absolutely. people aren't professional and they're just kind of messing around and, you know, people yeah. want to go home. Yes, a long we are. Days.
0: Uh, it's one of the attributed maybe to Amy and Dan again, you know, the fish stinks from the head. And they have a set that they run that we also want to accommodate the crew, which is not always the case. That the actors are looking after not only each other, but everyone involved. I mean,
1: the crew for the most part has been the same crew since day one. So, absolutely. You know, we so it's many not, of them. This and it's show gigantic is, crew. Yeah, gigantic. And this show is not Hundreds. just what you see on screen. It's so much of it is is everybody involved in every department, and you know, everybody's at the top of their game. Yeah. And uh, and that's what makes that's that's a part of what makes it so special.
0: Right. Oh hell yes. So then to close up, uh, Midge goes to the gaslight. And mm-hmm. just when Susie thought it was over, Midge gets on stage and they of course Janet Shaw, Janet Shaw played by Amy Donna Kelly. They got to bring her back. Wichita, Wichita, Wichita. Susie shuffles her off to Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo so that Midge can get on stage and do um, a pretty remarkable thing and Susie gets to say, "Okay, here we go." Mhm. And then she's carted off by the police yet again. Yeah. We feel like, okay, we, we're we're off to the races. Well, if there's anything you'd like to add, my goodness. I
1: don't think so. I mean, right. I think we covered everything.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, well, we covered everything and didn't some. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much. You got it. Needless to say. And here's your last opportunity for any question for me.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I think I, I, I'm pretty <laughs> don't sure. I'm kidding. No, yeah. I'm kidding.
0: Yeah. Thank you, buddy, and uh, Thank you. I'll see you on set. Yeah, let's do this again sometime. Yes, or we will. Talk about another episode. Yeah. And that, my glorious friends, is Michael Zegan. Did I tell you? Did I not tell you that he's the most enthusiastic and joyous of us all when it comes to sharing and quelling, the Jews would say about everything Mazel? And uh, just a rich, rich treasure chest of memories and nuances and moments that he generously shared. Loved talking with him. Little uh, threat for you. He'll be back to the pod. Oh, yes. We might have recorded more than one episode. I can say that we did, yes. If you have follow-up questions for Michael Zegan, write to me at mymrsmeselpod at gmail.com. I do want to involve you more than you think I do because I keep saying it, but I'm not kidding. Every which way you think you might want to weigh in on this podcast, I promise you, I will appreciate it. All, every aspect. Please. My MrsMaislePod at gmail.com. And um, yeah, there you go. There's episode two. Boom. Can't wait for you to hear the next one. Remember to rate, review, do all the things that help promote a podcast. You know how this works. Come on now. And also, always threatening to read an email from you as we go through these episodes. And sure enough, we had many after episode one, and I've chosen two. Now, couldn't get emails into the Luke Kirby episode, but I've got a lot of great ones from you for Luke Kirby that I will get to him and read in future podcast episodes. So I'm going to read a couple that were, we got a a ton of emails and I can't thank you all enough. Please continue to write us at mymrsmasolpod at gmail.com. I'm going to read a couple of them that were written to me. And then again, I will continue to read your emails, so please continue to write them. Okay, this one says, hi, Kevin. I should tell you this is from Joan Mizzy Fry. Hi, Kevin. I've enjoyed seeing you in a wide range of roles. However, the role of Moish Maisel seems to be the best fit for you. Given the era it takes place long before or maybe even around the time you were born, how did you prepare for the role? Was there one or more people who inspired your performance? Also, any possibility there may be a follow-up movie or spin-off series? Thank you for starting this podcast, Joan, Ontario, Canada. Uh well, Joan, yeah, so given the era, so I do love diving into period pieces yes it's really exciting to live in another era amy and sherman paladino and dan paladino's writing is so specific that it helps you climb into these characters rather seamlessly because it's all there on the page so how did i prepare well i read their material over and over and over again right and then in terms of the inspiration i mentioned this in one of the podcast episodes I thought it was the first one. Your email came in before the first one. That's it. So yeah, I did answer this, I think, in the first one where I spoke about Lou Jacoby from Barry Levinson's Big Jewish Saga of Avalon. Lou Jacoby, yeah, he was what I drew a great deal from. You cut the turkey, but I'm me, we leave. And then my grandfather and his... Brother who escaped the Cossacks, turn of the last century, would yell at each other at opposite ends of the Passover dinner table. Any meal they would gather at, they would yell at each other. So yeah, I drew on all of that. And then your last any possibility there may be a follow-up or a movie or a spin-off series. Possibilities abound. Yes, it's going to take a little time, I think, for everyone to regroup. So stay tuned. Any and all insights, I gather, I will certainly share with all of you as she signs off. Thanks for starting this podcast. Well, thank you, Joan from Ontario, Canada, for your support and interest second email I can read. Hi, Kevin. I love that you were doing the My Mrs. Maisel pod. I'm a longtime fan of yours. I love your character, Moish, in the show. Moish is funny and blunt with everyone. I love how you and Caroline, who played Shirley, worked so well together. That was wonderful chemistry and comic duo in the show. Then all the main characters together having Yom Kippur dinner in the season two, episode seven. Well, now we're getting ahead of ourselves. Made me laugh continuously. I think that is one of my top 10 favorite episodes well when we get to that episode uh <laughs> do i reread your email this show i will always rewatch over and over again now that i have expressed my love for the show and all of you i do have a few questions for you kevin did you audition for your character did amy and dan just say you are moish Did you take anything from the show? Any items? Also, Kevin, this question is for you. Since you have done comedy stand-up, did you know any of the comics or their stories of the era? The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Joan Rivers, Lenny Bruce, Mort Salt, Don Rickles. So, yeah, I do talk about an upcoming episode with uh, Caroline Aaron who played Shirley, of course. I think it's episode five of My Mrs. Maisel Pod where Caroline and I go deep, deep, deep diving into stand-up comedy and my background and uh, influences therein. So yeah, listen up for episode five of My Mrs. Maisel Pod where we delve into season one, episode five. And you'll hear a lot about that. Also, I talk at length about having not auditioned. So listen to all the episodes to get all the straight skinny. I don't want to, you know, repeat it here. It's coming up in a future episode. So, you know, I'm also not trying to be a jerk by saying, keep listening and maybe you'll get an answer to your question. So, no, I did an audition. I got a phone call from the agent, Amy and Dan, want you... To do the show and would you get on a phone call with them? And we talked about it a lot. And I go into details about uh, that conversation and how that came to be. I was able to watch the pilot because they hadn't uh, had in-laws in the pilot. So Motion Shirley came around episode two of season one. So that allowed me to watch the pilot and really get a sense of what these geniuses were going to do with the series because there weren't any scripts yet, right? So that's all I had was to read, uh, watch the pilot. I said yes instantly, uh, having seen the pilot before we got on the phone together. Yeah, it's a no-brainer, right? When you see that pilot, it's just magical. Top to bottom, every department head, which we talk to a lot on this podcast in future episodes, all the great savant department heads who make the show, from Bill Groom to Donna what those more tr- oh, building all the clothes. E- everyone, basically, who's a genius on the show in front of and behind the camera. So thank you very much. That was from Adriana Rivera. Adriana Rivera, yes, Don Rickles, a big influence, loved him madly. So yeah, he, I mean, I later found out about Lenny Bruce. I was too young, but uh, circle back and uh, go into details about that. Chris Peters from Marietta, Georgia. Marietta, Georgia. I think that's where Julia Roberts is from. Who cares? I don't know. Anywho, Chris's email reads, hello, Kev. May I call you Kev? Sure. Sure. It goes on, love the podcast as I have loved all your podcasts. Well, you're very kind. Furthermore, for Mr. Z, well I'm not sure you can call Michael Zeegan Mr. Z. I'll have to check with him on that, but your email continues. My question is this: Joel was such an incredibly well-rounded character. He was equal parts, sensitive, protective, vulnerable, and funny. How much of that was on the page and how much was your interpretation of the character? I want you to know that I cannot picture any All caps other actor in that role. Thank you both so much. Chris Peters, Marietta, Georgia. Thank you, Chris. And now here is Michael Zegan himself answering Chris's email. Oh, Mike. Chris,
1: Michael Zegan here. Thanks for the kind words. Um, As far as your question is concerned, how much of Joel was on the page and how much was my interpretation? I think it was a good mixture of both. You know, as an actor, whenever you're doing a TV series or a movie or even a play, the hope is that it's a collaborative process. And Maisel was no exception. I think when we shot the pilot, that was more or less my interpretation of the character, mostly because that's all I had to go by was this one episode, this one script. And sure, you know, Amy and Dan, our creators, they helped me fine tune the character. But it wasn't really until we shot more episodes that... I got a better understanding of who Joel was, and they got a better understanding of who I was. So they were able to write the character and play to my strengths. So it wasn't really one or the other. It was it was a collaboration, you know? So I hope that answers your question, and thanks for being a fan.
0: Well, then, sadly, that concludes the mailbag portion of this episode of My Mrs. Maisel Pod. So thank you for your questions everyone and keep them coming right to my Mrs. Maisel at gmail.com. Remember to uh, subscribe and review and rate the podcast. Oh, and of course, tell everyone you've ever met. All right, that's it. Your host, Kevin Pollack, thanking you once again for your ears and your time. And as always, please remember to watch next week's episode of The Marvelous Mrs. Mazel on Amazon Prime and listen to and subscribe to My Mrs. Maisel Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you're listening now, or listen to My Mrs. Maisel Pod on Amazon Music, or just ask Alexa. Alexa, please play My Mrs. Maisel Pod on Amazon Music. I will see you in my dreams. Until then, be kind to each other. Thank you. Okay, closing credits time. My Mrs. Mazel pod was created by me, your host, Kevin Pollack, research writer, producer, Jamie Fox, and our engineer, recording, post-production producer genius is Ken Plume. My Mrs. Mazel pod is brought to you by the fine folks at Q-Code. Q-Code. Sounds like something, doesn't it? Oh, lastly, you should know... I'm told by legal to make this crystal clear that my Mrs. Maisel pod was not sanctioned in any way, shape, or form by Amazon Prime, nor the show's creators, Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino, although I feel the need to mention I did get their blessing. Okay, good. That should save me some legal.